Speaking of which, and speaking of yelling at kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up on the podcast because it's a bit of a bummer. You have my attention. But we were at Bush Gardens this weekend, and we're on our way out of the park. It's like six o'clock in the evening, maybe. And <clears throat> as we're walking out, we walk past this bench, and on the bench is a father and a son. And the son is maybe 10, 11 years old. And the father is two inches from his son's face, beat red, screaming at him. Like, as we walk by, I just hear, bullshit! And he's, like, in this kid's face. And he's, like, he's, like, abusive dad starter pack. You know what I mean? Like, buzz cuts. Oh, yeah. Really overweight. Mm. Uh... Just exactly what you'd expect, right? right? And the kid is like also hysterical. His face is red, but he's like crying. He's yeah. like, he's like, I don't oh. and he's like trying to make excuses. And as he makes an excuse, his dad just yells at him again. That's bullshit. Just like in his face. <clears throat> and as I'm walking by, I don't think it registered with the girls really. But as I'm walking by, as as Julie and I are walking by, we're kind of like whoa you know what i mean yeah and then maybe a couple minutes later at we just keep on walking you know what I mean? sort of mindlessly i and then a couple minutes later i'm kind of like should i have stopped and done something right do i like in that situation what do i do like yeah. i feel like a complete i feel maybe more useless than i've ever felt in my life just right. walking by and not doing anything but like what's the alternative there yeah what do you do? Do you just keep on walking? Yeah. And let that kid get screamed at? See, I thought you were going to let me off the hook. And the punchline <laughs> would be some about like, then he turns to his wife. He's like, he's got to know that uh, the dipping dots are for me, okay? Right. That's, no, that's yeah, the only reason why I come about, here. It was something about pushing or swinging. He gets the rides. I get the dipping dots, okay? That's right. the uh, agreement. Um, I mean, that's something that I struggle with, too. We have had a neighbor who, like, I think I mentioned this, walking by their house, if I'm taking the trash out at night, Mm -hmm. six times out of ten sounds like I'm walking by a Stephen King novel (laughs) happening. Right. I mean, we're talking, like, shrill Mm -hmm. screaming. And sometimes... There are no visible lights on in the place. Yeah. Just a dark house with a woman shrieking. Mm-hmm. And she has two kids who Indy will like say hi to. They go to his school. They went to the same after school program. And I've seen her yelling at the kids. Mm-hmm. And they are younger than Indy. Youngest may be like three. The oldest may be like five or six and i have looked at the kids like we've talked to them indy as i've seen them out with indy and like when he would leave after school care when they went to the same place 
they'd like run up and give him a hug. There are no visible signs of abuse on them. Mm -hmm. They're both like healthy. They're not, you know, malnourished. And in talking with Elise, you know, there was a man there and then he was gone. And so there was the talk of like, maybe she's screaming at him like on the phone right. or something, you know, like I, I can't verify any actual abuse, but out in public, she will yell like she'll be kind of gruff with them vocally. Mm-hmm. But again, I've never seen any signs of abuse. And I actually ended up calling like a child protective services hotline to talk to them about, like what the step? What are the steps? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to. Number one, a, a, an element which maybe this is the point is like I don't want to assume. You know what I mean? I don't want right. to be like, hey, knock on your door. Hey, I hear you screaming a lot and yelling at your kids. So I'm just gonna assume that you're kind of like a terrible mom. Yeah, but I mean, on some level, that is abuse. On the screaming. Yeah. It's not physical, but that's definitely, I see that as abuse. Well, yeah, that was the thing. I, I talked, so I, so I called this hotline. Basically, they were like, listen, you call Child Protective Services on this woman. Are there any visible signs of anything happening at all? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I, there, there's not. I can only, you know, um, attest to the yelling. And we actually talked to our other neighbors to get see if they had seen anything and they were all like no and we're like do you notice the yelling and they're like yeah the their immediate neighbor is older and so she can't hear very well but she can hear some muffled noises or whatever mm-hmm. um and so i was like no and they're like well y- you know you kind of need more to go on than that right or else they either won't send somebody out or they will they'll do a cursory whatever and then just whatever Mm -hmm. leave it so then the only other option was for me to confront her in some way Mm -hmm. and that was something that i really struggled with because in the little bit that we've talked to her she is not open to talking to people (laughs) she's not friend she's not friendly for a, a common greeting and i can't see her uh entertaining a conversation about her parenting yeah recently she told us that she's moving back in with her mother Mm -hmm. and so i've basically have used that as like the okay well she's going back with family right like you know this this to me always seemed like an in-house issue where if neighbors can see it the family sees it right and they have to have somebody who cares about them enough. These kids are, by all accounts, like they're sweet. They're gentle with Indy. Mm-hmm. Somebody is caring in this family. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. Sure, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, so, you know, you asked me that, and it's like I've just lived the same, the same question, you know? I honestly don't know. I don't know the answer. I, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you could make a case of, two different ways number one and and i don't think this is a cop-out because i mean i've seen it happen with um you know chucky cheese i think we've talked about this 
every time we go to a Chuck E. Cheese or you've been to a Chuck E. Cheese, somebody is in there with an inappropriate T-shirt. Yeah. Right? Like some sure. adult who yeah. you're just like deadbeat dad 101. Right, like yeah. there he is. And uh, we were at a birthday party and there was a guy walking around with like a very vulgar shirt on. Yeah. And he was being really loud and cursing and everything. And there's a party. My, my friend's kid was having a party there. And he approached the guy. And I kind of went over there with him just because this guy looked like he... You know, I mean, I feel like you have to play the game. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to go over and force if you're going to talk to somebody right. like this guy was, right? Yeah. And uh, he uh, he was like, hey, man. He's like, you know, we have a party right here. You know, you're, you're talking really loud and very vulgar. Uh, can you keep it down or whatever? And the guy, like, attacked him. Like, physically went after him. In, in the heartbeat, yeah. you know? And there's an aspect of, like, if I'm with my kids, like... My kids are my priority, mm-hmm. and I don't want to put them in a situation where they could get harmed, you know? Like, if whatever, he wants to go after them, or where they're harmed, I'm harmed in front of them. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that needs to be weighed, but I don't think they can excuse right. you know, yeah. not acting when you see abuse. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, but especially when it's yelling, it's like, yeah, what can you say in a heightened situation that's going to de-escalate and not send that guy literally through the roof? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the best I could come up with after thinking about it since yesterday was to maybe pull like uh, my and this was my initial instinct, too. And maybe it was just because I, you know, was in uh, went to got an education degree. My initial thought was to just have the, you know, kid, the girls and Julia keep on walking. Like right. obviously don't want them to be involved. Exactly. But would be to just like stand next to their bench. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like pull the teacher move of like, right, be I presence. know, I know you're cheating on this test, but I'm not going to call you out in front of the entire class. I'm just going to stand right next to your desk. Yeah. But like you said, I would I I would imagine that someone who's that comfortable screaming at their kid in the middle of a park is he's probably like on a hair trigger. Yeah, I mean that's the thing too is like I I tend to overanalyze obviously, (laughs) and I I would like to believe, and I think that I've I've you know I've done things in my life that have drawn a line. Where, you know, I've been like, hey, this is wrong. I feel the need to step in in some way. Mm-hmm. But I'm generally not that person. But I like to believe that's not out of, like, cowardice or to save myself. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes it is about, like, thinking through what the ramifications of my actions are going to be. My initial reaction might be to, like, you know, grab the guy and push him away from the kid. Right? Well, now I've just escalated it with like a physical action against him, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or whatever it is. So maybe it's better, like you said, to be like, well, let me think this through. Let me stand by them, you know? But then the other thing, too, is like, you know, if this guy's a raving lunatic, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to like go and poke him with a stick in any way and, and get him worse, you know, and make it worse for the kid. Yeah. Like, what is my outcome? It's, it's always my 
idea. Like, is the outcome for me to stand back and be like, look at me, I did it. Mm. You know, it's all about, I stood up. And even though the guy told me F off and got kicked out of the park, like I can walk around feeling like I did, you know, good. And it's like, that kid is still going to go home with the lunatic and still get raised by the lunatic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know? So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's hard, but I, I do agree that, like, if, if you see it, then doing something is, on average, better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't overanalyze, or, or else then the situation's gone. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I'll I mean, see something in a store, and then I'll just freeze 15 minutes later. I'll be like, hey, excuse me, and then they're already gone. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, my, my initial reaction was definitely just like, wow, this guy's really yelling at his kid. <laughs> I just kept on moving forward like yeah. like cattle. And then yeah. and then I was just like, oh, maybe, what if I just went and sat on that bench? What would right. I, I just went and sat next to that guy while no, he was yeah, yelling? That, see, that, that's, yeah, you, that's probably the best thing. I, I have to say, too, and I blame my upbringing, I have been brainwashed by also, like, you know, my my dad is the king of the... This man got stabbed for spilling his popcorn, you know? Yeah. Or like this guy got shot for shushing somebody in a theater. You know what I mean? And you're just like, I don't want to give my life to standing up to a screaming lunatic in public. Yeah. But at the same time, you know that that's not going to happen. And you can't live your life with the idea that anytime you stand up against somebody who's a raving lunatic, that you're going to get killed. Mm. It's a hard, it's a hard brainwash uh, to shake them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. <laughs> it really went long on the. Uh... <laughs> so, about this microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. Um,. Yeah, so uh, the other day, our uh, microwave kicked it. Uh, It was only a matter of time when we taught Indy um, how to... We're we're trying to teach him a little bit, like, how to cook. And, um, like, little things. Like, not full meals or whatever. Uh But we're starting to try and show him, like, hey... If you want soup, like, this is what you do, you know, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, and we showed him the timer on our old microwave. And we came home uh, one day, and he was like, all right, so this is what I do. And then I turned on the timer. And he just, like, turned on the auto, like, uh, microwave, like, add 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like going with nothing in it mm-hmm. and he's not using the timer and i was like how long have you been using the timer that way buddy he's like yeah since you showed me which had been like so he just hits 30 seconds over and over again he's hits 30 seconds over. And i mean that's just, not a bad strategy and just but i mean it can't be good for the motor to just run it with nothing in it whenever he wants to use a timer well, oh i see what you're saying okay yeah and and the proof <laughs> so was wait a minute. well wait a minute what is he timing well, like, again, so, like, if he um, wants to, so we were trying to show him, like, how to make uh, his ramen uh-huh. that he likes. So, two minutes, 
uh, to boil your ramen. Okay. You know? And so, yeah. <laughs> he apparently, and apparently he would, he would time like nothing. Like sure. it wasn't when he was cooking, he'd just be like, I need a time, like in the mornings, he'd be like, I need a timer for this and just, blah, 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 sure. and run the microwave. And he'd been doing it for like weeks, I guess, since mm-hmm. we taught him, like this has a timer setting, but didn't, I guess, follow up. Sure. So anyway, sure enough, like our microwave, as soon as I make that discovery, kicks it, like mm-hmm. f- fully dead. Um, and so we, we need to replace it. So we need it quick because we use the microwave for basically like getting his lunches ready uh, in the morning. And I'm not waking up 15 minutes earlier to use the stove. Mm-hmm. God, it, uh, God not happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't care. So I'm like, hey, we got let's go to Target and see what they have. Uh-huh. So you go to Target and they have like three microwaves, which is weird. Like their selection is slim. Yeah. And the first microwave that we had was like super cheap. It was like one of those $50 like or below. Mm-hmm. And it lasted for as long as you think a microwave like that would last. So I was like, listen, I want a good microwave, but I want it like deeply discounted. Like I don't care, uh, you know, b- beyond just the make. And then let's get as cheap as we can. Mm-hmm. So we find this one. I honestly can't remember how much it was. I know that it was marked down like 30 or $40. So I think it was like just under $100 or something like mm-hmm. that. So I was like, there it is. Uh, I was like, listen, Elise was on the phone. Um, you know, I was like, get that one. I don't even care about the specs or whatever else. That's, that's it. It's the cheapest. And it's like Samsung. It was like done. So she brings it home. We unpack it. We also do this thing where like sometimes like I'll say boxes just in case where we like just toss trash when it's there. So immediately throw the box out. I'm sure this is the microwave that we need. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look at it and the first thing that I, I realize that I don't like about it is it has like a knob. It has no keypad. Everything is knob based. Mm. Like, so if you want to sit time, like you got to turn this knob or something. Mm-hmm. Then I'm looking and the buttons aren't really clear. Like it's all like pre-settings, like popcorn, steak, sure, yeah, like, yeah. and crazy stuff. That I'm like, why would anybody, you know, like pork chop, fried chicken? Like it's mm-hmm. just got a million preset options. And the first time I'm cooking something, I'm like, I need a timer. I go this thing. No timer option. Hmm. It has no timer. What are the dials for? It has one knob. That's it. What's it do? Exactly. I still on this stupid is that microwave. The timer? No, there's no timer. I played around with it for a little bit. And I couldn't figure out a timer. This microwave has no timer. There's no way. Isn't that? There's no way. There's literally no way that a ten dollar microwave is at least going to have a microwave. It, or, I mean, a, a timer. It might not even get your soup fully hot. Like mm-hmm. you may have to like put it in there ten times the amount of a any other microwave. It's going to have a timer function, right? That's like sta- that's that's an yeah, of course. Standard. Yeah. This thing does it have a clock? Yes. It's got how a do clock. you set the clock? I had to use the stupid knob. And okay, the that's sucked. what the knob is for then. Well, no, the knob to set the time. But then what? Like, no, there's no. I will take video of me just spinning the stupid knob and it doing absolutely nothing. Like, I still don't know how to. Yeah, use I need it. a picture of the front of your microwave. <laughs> It is this thing, full price, 
is over a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. way over a hundred. We got it super discounted for like under. I was is like the like tape is like the clear film still over the front of it. Maybe that's no obscuring something. Nope. It's fu- it. It's it clearly. I mean, I, there, there's no excuse. The only thing I could think of is like Samsung may try to make like a new small TV and it just failed. And they're like, turn that shell into a microwave and throw a sure. calculator, uh, an old calculator on the, f- on the front of it and just throw a knob on there. <laughs> like it's the least thought out thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. And it's mine. I'll need a, I'll need a picture. That dial has to be used for something. Well, yeah, I mean, it is, but there's other things they have to push to make it actually do something. It, it's, it's infuriating. I can only get it to heat stuff up by using like the plus 30 seconds. I just, that's not too bad. Well, no, I mean, that's not bad, but I want a microwave that I can actually use and that has a timer. I just want a timer mainly i can deal with the rest of the crap are you sure you don't so when you push the so i'm looking at it now so when you push the wait how how do you have a picture target's website i'm on target's website Uh, well can i come over and confirm that's that's the one That's the one. Okay. So when you push the clock button, what does it do? It changes. That's how you adjust the time? Yeah. The clock starts flashing. You adjust the time. And what's this finger button? Exactly. <laughs> you push it. It doesn't do anything. Huh. What's the microwave button? Same. You threw the instructions away? Probably. I don't know. I'm no. not going to read instructions on a microwave. The well, microwave. Obviously, you need to. Well, exactly. But why, right? Why? Why have we, at, in 2018, made a microwave that needs instructions? If anything, this thing should like be able to scan the food that's in it and set its own time. Instead, they've ma- they've like taken elements away from a from a microwave, and then. Do, and do you see like what buttons beyond like it's just like presettings for different things. There is no timer. There's no timer. There's a question here on the product page where someone is asking where the timer is at. They say, "I've looked through the manual three times and cannot find how to use the timer." <laughs> someone else says, "How do you set the time on a Samsung stainless steel microwave?" That's strange. Well, that's what you get for being so uh, un, un, uninterested. <laughs> I guess. I mean, See, when I approach these things, you know what the first thing I do? Do you know what the first thing I do now for a- anything I do in my life? The first thing I do is I go to Google and I do the best da-da-da-da-da. I knew I was going to get judged. Yeah. I knew I was going to get judged. I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, knew- like, we have Google. Just do it. No, I know, but you, I mean, you type in the best cheap microwave, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and you will not get a hundred dollar Samsung microwave Listen, with no timer. I am not debating you on this or disagreeing with you. I guess I should say, all I'm saying is, 
out of all the appliances that I should be able to walk into a store and pay that much money for and walk out thinking this thing can has a timer. Yeah, it definitely seems it's, like it's some, a microwave. Like we're missing something. It's a microwave. Not not that guy who's read or lady who's read the manual three times. It's absolutely insane. Now I want to here we go. Let's see what Amazon has to say about this. 368 reviews, four stars, no beeps. We love this microwave. In a world of too many beeps and buzzing, you can turn this one off. It also cooks evenly, has nice defrost, and looks good. Love the dark blue, like camping, like camping dish color interior. I would trade all of that for a timer. My husband states at least once a day he loves the microwave because it's quiet. Believe those who say this microwave is noisy. This guy disagrees. <laughs> I would have to go with him too. The, the microwave is, I don't know. It, it, it's never stood out to me. as like, oh, that thing is quiet. Yeah, see, none of these people are saying anything about no timer. Maybe you and that other woman on Target's website are the only two going into it who didn't know that it doesn't have a timer. Those people are lunatics. Automatically adjusts cooking time with vapor sensing technology for optimal results. Easy to use dial control always allows you to add or decrease time while cooking, adding convenience and precision. I don't know what that means. But I mean, okay, so what are you ever heating up that you can't just get to to by pressing the 30 second button? Um, well, no, I mean, again, the 30 second button thing is fine. I think, I think that the difference is if you want to, you know, just like with anything, if you want to get a 315 in there or whatever right well, the 45 you, then you do 330 and, and then, then you use just, the dial to go down 15 no, seconds it's already well okay i guess now that i see that you can adjust it while it's cooking problem solved yeah. how long have you had this microwave no no it no it took no. me five number minutes one, to solve this problem number one not problem solved my number one issue like i've said before i would trade even cooking and all that stuff for a timer i just want a freaking timer on there number two the uh the dial if it's already counting down that means I need to count 15 seconds oh, well, down th- as it's one going down. Is, one second is not going to make a big difference. <laughs> oh, so this precision thing is also not going to be, be able to hit precision if I'm trying to adjust the time because it's constantly counting down as okay, I'm trying to then adjust the down. What does the timer do when you open the door? Does it pause the timer or does it reset the whole thing? Does the timer? I don't know. It, okay. Then, 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 then set the time, okay. start it, open the door so it pauses the time, and then you use the dial. But listen to what you just said. This is a yeah, microwave. I get, that. That, like, I get that. But at this point, you've got a microwave yes. that I'm trying to figure out how to use. Yeah. No, I mean, like, listen, all of that to me is secondary, though, to the fact that I paid good money for a microwave that, yeah, that basically will but... cause you to open a door to properly adjust the time yeah. to then shut it and then turn whatever button will get started again. I'm guessing is the stupid finger button that will actually make it resume. It's, yeah. 
it, this is not this is not designed as a microwave. I don't know what defunct project Samsung well, had. Three hundred and sixty-eight people on Amazon would disagree with you <laughs> because they love it. Yeah, I just think about the uh, Simpsons joke where it's like four billion smokers can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you had some follow-up news on Wild Wild Country. Uh, have you followed that at all or read any? No, I've actually up? was just thinking the other day that I was surprised at how little sort of noise around it I've heard since it came out. I mean, there's some <clears throat> around there, but I think one of the big things, and, and I heard this like right after we did our episode, and I wanted to go back and address it, which is that hotel bombing was traced back to like a militant, like radical... Uh, Islamic group mm-hmm. and not the townspeople. Okay. Uh, that, that was one. Number two, there, there were some other, like they, they kind of make reference to the guy's article for the Oregonian uh, in the documentary. It's like a 20 part series that he did and they kind of mm. just touch on it a little bit. And there were like, there were really like, there are other things that that cult did that, you know, this documentary left out, which sure. I, which I had assumed, like, like I yeah. went in being like, I assume that they're not like putting the full litany of, of things. And there is something about like, um, a minor thing where you're, you're kind of like, wow, that escalated quickly with the cult, mm-hmm. but in context. And when you see like, especially what they did over in India, it's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're not a in any way, shape, or form, like a good group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but all of that stuff, and then apparently there's like a real kind of like attempted murder or maybe even a successful murder that they completely passed over that is like way more, like if you want to go after it, you go after that story, not the stabbing, not the failed stabbing of the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, be- beyond all that, uh, it it just made me think like, again, I didn't dig too deep into like all the stuff other than to know that, yeah, this documentary cut corners when it came to the cult. I assume that they had done that. But the the point of the documentary to me seemed to be, hey, this cult that everyone is fixated on as being like a bad group or entity is in some ways mirrored in the government that we're supposed to look at as like the pure and you know or or like the good guys right like there's bad and good and the government is good and the cult is bad but it's really more gray than that Mm. that seemed to be the point of the of the documentary that that point you know still stands in a lot of ways like if you want to make a documentary that makes our government look more suspect than how generally is perceived you you could make that documentary so I think what they did was they just shorthanded it and they're like, hey, here's a here's a story that we can tell that kind of introduces those ideas. So, you know, again, the overall idea to me seems to wash and be like, yeah, I probably agree with that overall idea. But the way that they got there was as, you know, suspect as almost any documentary that that we've talked about or that mm-hmm. I've seen. I just. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I don't go documentaries looking for, like, the truth, capital T. I go there for, like, 
what is it going to present me with that's going to make me think? And it's more about like what gets me thinking about more than like, I, I just, you know, I, I saw the truth. I need mm. to run out there and tell everybody. Yeah, I definitely came away from the documentary feeling much more like I was being pitched something than mm-hmm. anything else. Like, I'm honestly surprised that the follow-up news to Wild Wild Country isn't like, oh, hey, the Dupless brothers are like our Rajneeshi, and they have been for <laughs> decades or whatever. <laughs> and that's why they executive produced this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, guys, you like our documentary? Hey, contribute to the Rajneeshi Fund. Right. To exactly. Keep, to keep more content like this coming out. So that doesn't... Hearing stuff like that doesn't surprise me, but it does definitely... Um, take away from the documentary i feel like it kind of like the same thing with the jinx yeah uh, and, and actually it's almost the exact same thing with the jinx because it's like it's this documentary series that's just very like slickly made you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like almost too much production value for a documentary where it's like you feel like maybe more of the focus is on how this is being presented Right. how the story is being told to you than accurately representing the story. And then when you start to afterwards, you hear all this, Oh, well, you know, this is taken out of context or this is, has been omitted. And the timeline here was played with and chopped up to make it seem more dramatic or whatever. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of, um, as much as I like the jinx as well, it left a sour taste in my mouth. So it seems like Wild Wild Country is the same thing. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. I think the overall point still stands, but I do kind of like, it does get tiring a little bit when filmmakers won't address, like make the documentary you want, but what's stopping you from like contextualizing in Mm -hmm. like a little screen up front or whatever, be like, hey, for the full story, like read more. We have selected certain you know elements to present to you like this story uh to make you think about these things but you know whatever go on but i i I do feel like like do documentarians and like a lot of these documentaries that kind of fudge timelines or facts or move things around for their own benefit do they think like no one's going to find out like in this <laughs> internet age? Do they right. think that they've actually like done it and they've like, yeah. no one will ever find it? Or are they like, no, we don't care. Yeah. I think part of it is, is it's probably just more dramatic to have uh, sort of a, a, a push and pull dynamic between the two groups than it is to say, yeah, the government's, bad but this these guys are really bad you know what i mean it's more dramatic it's more like far reaching to sort of be ambiguous about it when really it's it's not that big that ambiguous mm-hmm. like these guys were really bad i mean yeah the documentary opens with them being like um they had to flee india they literally fled india like running out of a burning building <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so you know they're obviously bad people, uh, but the, the, with that said, they do a really great job of making you uh, consider it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they did for me, at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think it's worth considering. I, I think that's valid. I think 
after learning that, I will say I'm a little more on your side at the end. Like I wish yeah. that they had interrupted some of the nostalgic musings to be like, oh, excuse me, guys. Like, and, and there are little things like um, Sheila saying like there were no STDs in their uh, group. <laughs> Where, where you, you just want to be like, that's that's patently false. Like, yeah. can, can you just admit like that? Like, why is that? Why have you made that any bit of a talking point? Mm-hmm. And no, you you probably spread STDs to people. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's also the way they handle that end with Sheila specifically is I feel like the more truthful dynamic and probably more interesting dynamic is instead at the end, you know, she's working in like an old person's home. Right. Or like she set up her own thing and it's treated more as a, at least the impression I got was like, you know, like see, look, she was like good all along Mm -hmm. or like she was at least trying, like this is what has been in her heart the whole time. Mm -hmm. When in reality, after hearing that and after sort of, being outside of the documentary for a while and being able to reflect on it. I think the truth of it is that maybe she did some like really bad shit for most of her life. And now she's trying to make up for it. Exactly. That That's probably why I think is more like the truth. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I really liked it when I watched it, but yeah, once it's over and you have time to reflect and, and see all that, it, it, it definitely uh, falls apart a little bit. Okay, so you wanted to talk about this topic of fandom. Hmm. So I need you to explain what that means to you. What is fandom to you? So, yeah, to try and, and like, I guess, draw a finer point on it, the thing that made me think about this is also, like, the uh, in honor of the Avengers that's opening this Thursday it just got me thinking about, you know, now, like, you can't say fandom without having, like, at least the specter of toxic fandom Mm -hmm. cast over it. Like, being a fan of something nowadays is kind of a, uh, like, a negative buzzword. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I kind of wanted to track, like, what does that word mean anymore? And, you know, one thing that interested me was just to be like, uh, trace our own fandoms of things from when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the definition of fandom gets lost the older I get. It's very, I know exactly what I mean by saying like a fan of something or a fandom surrounding something. When you're talking about kids, Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about adults, then like to me, I guess like there are no rules. It's like the Wild West. Like you could be talking about the person who like sleeps with a pillow of a Milo pony or whatever and calls it their wife. Mm-hmm. And they literally think that that is like a, a relationship. Or you could be talking about somebody who is like, Hey, I called in Friday, going to see the late show of Avengers, just can't wait, just super excited. You know what I mean? And 
that person you're like great and then the other person you're like what are you doing mm-hmm. like that's weird uh until so, i don't know man i, I just i kind of wanted to, to to look at it and see if i could if i could answer that question because i don't know what i mean about being a fan like as an adult mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah well i think there's 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 sort of two approaches to the word. Like you said, I think the word fan has taken on in anybody that is uh involved in any sort of like listens to podcasts or follows, you know, news about a something they like, just anybody that's sort of like critical, I guess. Um, I think fan has probably taken on some of somewhat of a toxic meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is bad, but then there's obviously like the just traditional, what the word means, which is you just enjoy something, right? Um, to me, fan and like fandom, I've definitely gravitated towards the bad side connotation. So if someone is like, I'm a fan of so-and-so, to me, that sort of, by default, implies a lack of critical thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So you just automatically (laughs) Yeah. Somebody says, like, I'm a fan of that person. I mean, I guess it depends. You uncritical. I guess it depends on what it is. Yeah. But like for me what I think of is like the gushing over Robert Mueller, right? That's popped up recently. And like there's a Robert Mueller subreddit. And it's like people are so bloodthirsty to go after Trump and know so little about Robert Mueller, not that I know a lot about him, but that they're willing to Buy into a narrative or like create a but, narrative. Right, exactly. Yeah. Buy into a narrative. They're not looking. They're not. They're not. And I'm look, I say lack of critical thinking. I don't mean that in like a terrible <laughs> way. <laughs> but I mean that in a sense where they're just like, I'm just here for the ride. You know what I mean? They're not interested in the implications that it may have. They're just here. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like the same thing that I feel like like with the comic book movies and all that and it's and and again I've said it before and I wrote it down in our notes somewhere but to me I can't get on board with that that doesn't mean other people shouldn't do that that doesn't mean other people can't do those things and not enjoy it but I find i i've i'm uncomfortable with that now you're you're uncomfortable you're talking about the level of fandom that you see right in response to let's just say the marvel universe yeah if somebody is like opening night they've bought their tickets maybe as soon as they came available to purchase that level of fandom is what you're saying that you have no connection with at this point in your life that you you just don't yeah see that now i mean i get it and I, I was probably at that point with something in my life, but I'm just not now. Yeah. I think a better example, too, is like the Kanye stuff, right? So Kanye's 
recently allegedly said some really dumb stuff. He put some dumb stuff on his Twitter for sure. You can see that, right? And to me, a fan of Kanye are the people who are on the forums, who are on the Kanye subreddit right now, and who are doing their best to justify, contextualize, justify everything, every single thing he said. With that being said, I'm also not like ready to condemn. I'll say this the stuff he put on his Twitter, really dumb. (laughs) And to me, that is like a hard pass, right? Like, I like I'm. I imagine that's going to be really hard for me to later on, if there's an explanation or if he has some rant or something, for me to be like, okay, that makes sense. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? But I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, that's happened before with some of the stuff Kanye has done, and I just I really like his music. But to me, a fan is a person who 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 sees that and is opposed to that and is willing to. Jump excuse through it. hoops to excuse it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, so I think one thing that I want to maybe help delineate what we're talking about too, is to talk about maybe something that you're a fan of. So you sure. are a fan of the best, show. the best show. Exactly. And so that is something where you, uh, you listen to, uh, two shows that Tom Sharpling puts out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if Tom Sharpling does something, you're at least going to give it a shot. Yeah. You have purchased, you know, memorabilia mm-hmm. uh, from his show and you support or are open to supporting like a Patreon or whatever mm-hmm. to keep his show going. So all of that is like, you are a fan. Sure. But what distinguishes that level of fandom from like the fan of like, the Avengers. Is it just that you can't identify with the thing that they are being a fan of? Or do you identify that what certain people are fans of is more toxic or potentially toxic than something like the best show or Tom Sharpling? Well, for me, the, well, it's hard to say because first of all, I haven't watched the Marvel movies, right? I saw Iron Man two and oh, like God. the first oh, Thor movie <laughs> and that's saw, it like, the worst <laughs> right? well, okay yeah well, I saw the first Iron Man which I didn't like at all right and I saw the second one for some reason and then I saw Thor and I think that's all I've seen of like the Marvel movies but for me the first distinction is that I at least believe that I'm capable of still remaining critical of Tom Sharpling and of the best show, right? Like I don't go out of my way to justify things that he does that I don't agree with. Um, I don't feel like I've compromised any of my beliefs in listening to the best show. So is it, is it the, like you don't have skin in the game. Like other people will put, skin heart soul like they will just sign the deed over of their whole entire personhood to whatever they're a fan of and be like you now control like my money you control my interest you control everything but for you you have clear reasons why you enjoy the best show and tom sharpling right and you feel like 
you know, you're not invested in the same way that some of these people are who are literally like beside themselves at well, the, at, at the, you know, forecoming two hour and 40 minute movie. Sure. But the problem I have with that, and again, haven't seen the movies, so I, I'm sure someone could be like, oh, well, I actually do get something out of it, is I can point to moments in the best show, maybe not moments, but I can point to aspects of myself that I feel like the, I feel like the best show has improved my life, right? Like it has made me look at things differently. Mm -hmm. It has forced me to grow and to expand and to reconsider opinions. And I believe that it adds a value to society outside of just being purely a distraction, which is what I'm imagining the Marvel movies to be, right? Again, haven't seen them, but the ones that I did see, I didn't get much out of them. and. I honestly, it just seems like. Yeah. So let let me put up. They're largely a distraction. So let let me speak in defense of that. Sure. Okay. So. um, And again, look, I'm saying this is, this is for me. Like I said, I'm sure people can go see the new Avengers and come out of it and be like the, a better person. I was enriched. Yeah. Right. So, I, but I'm not getting that out of those movies. Right. So, I mean, I first thing I want to say is like, I'm not about placing a value judgment on something. Like, if somebody enjoys something, then like enjoy it. Sure. To its fullest and make no apologies. I think that that that's understood. I think you agree with that too. To an extent. <laughs> I think it could become too much. Well, okay. And I think the Marvel movies have become too much. Well, no, but this is what I guess what I want to say is you would not put yourself as the arbiter of what is and is not valuable, like, or worthy of fan dumb, right? Like, you no, you, no, only for myself. Right, exactly, exactly. So, so that, that's all I'm saying. Sure. Now, specifically, like, one thing that I want to make a distinction between is th- this kind of toxic. So in response to ready player one, I remember reading that book a while ago. I remember reading it because people were freaking out about it. Yeah. And this was this book. I would read it before this whole idea of like a toxic fandom or even like toxic nostalgia where we are just like perpetually looking back and idolizing like the 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 things of our childhood Mm. like kind of took over our culture yeah um and i hated that book yeah it was well it was big in the video game community because it was like finally somebody gets the video games right right i mean i i couldn't stand that that stupid book yeah for for (laughs) a lot of reasons but now that the film has come out like it has reignited this this debate about you know specifically the, the the toxic aspect of nostalgia at work in people's lives who seemingly cannot move beyond just the obsess uh, obsessions of their childhood and ready player 1 was basically ridiculed from you know book through trailers as like Hey, how many just 
images of your childhood can right. we throw in front of you and yeah. you'll just eat it up mm-hmm. you know like pigs in a trough you don't care as long as the the ingredients look vaguely familiar mm-hmm. you'll show up and you'll love it you know now i haven't seen the movie and i want to give it the benefit of the doubt that a lot of people came away saying it at least has a little more going on than just being that naked but i do think that there's an aspect of nostalgia that is toxic where your interests have not evolved beyond that age of like i loved growing up let's see i loved hot wheels mm-hmm. loved them growing up collected them raced them crashed them bought the hot wheels like track to send them around on all that stuff right at some point just like with with indie he was like, dad, I no longer like Thomas the train, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, hot wheels aren't doing it for me anymore. Like I've got to move on, you know? And I think that there is something that where I might look back and when I see Indy, when he got in hot wheels, I was like, Oh, hot wheels. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to see an illumination animated film yeah. about hot wheels. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, somebody to try and read like cultural you know meaning into hot wheels yeah and serve it back to me like that is representative of a time in my life that i have aged past in an appropriate way you know that even if i want to collect hot wheels like now as an older person it's my collection and that relationship i think is different than the rabid fandom that we see at work with like some of the, 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 the toxic Marvel people that are, that, that are not able to move beyond their relationship to that as like, this is life. You know what I mean? Like my connection to this is like fueling my identity in some way mm-hmm. versus like, no, I now have a proper understanding of these things as a 36 year old looking back. And my interest is appropriate to how I've grown and matured and aged in relationship to these things. I think it has to change, right? I should not be rabid in my obsession with these things in the way that I was when I was a kid and I had the time and the and my brain was blank enough to like have room for all that stuff. Like what else am I going to fill my 9-year-old brain with than Hot Wheels? You know what I mean? I'm not learning algebra and yeah. uh you know political theory 101 mm-hmm. like <laughs> i have a whole lot of downtime to see how many warheads i can shove in my mouth and then crash some cars together mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i think i think nostalgia is at play in a lot of the, the the toxic aspects of this but i don't think that that discounts the idea that like i can approach marvel with a with a a healthy kind of recognition of my childhood. And I don't think that, or I should say, I think that I can still engage with comics in a way today that is more meaningful. I think that, you know, comics have aged, you know, to it. Like, so I read the last vision comic that got canceled and I found that like really intriguing as an adult. and enjoyed it even the even the, the the hawkeye um i read some of some of hawkeye and enjoyed it 
Um, but again, my my fandom never uh, resembles the fandom of my childhood. Now that I'm older, you know what I mean. Like I'm I'm wondering if if that's if that's the distinction. Yeah, I, I mean, I it just depends on the on the person, right? I, I mean, I think honestly, to me, the ideal is to be able to have the amount of time to be that invested in Hot Wheels as an adult. You know what I mean? Or something to not have to worry about going to work, like. Yeah, but, but I mean, if if I'm 36 and and the obsession of my of my life, and I think the key is like my identity is wrapped up in Hot Wheels. Yeah, I think, but I think were I, you obsessed with Hot Wheels as a kid, or did you just like playing with them? No, no, I wanted to collect. And you didn't them have all. anything else to do. No, yeah, yeah, no, but but I mean, like, so Hot Wheels I threw out there is like just a just a placeholder. I think I think one reason that we're gonna get into the, that that I really wanted to talk about this issue mm-hmm. is that I feel, I feel like I should have an obsession with something that is not there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, I worry sometimes that I'm broken in some way that like looking back on my childhood, there were certain things that I engaged in, mm-hmm. but never to the level of like, this is it. Like, this is who I am now. Like, even as I've gotten older, I've always loved films, but not in the way that it's like, I like them for the value that they give me. But there are people out there, I listen to podcasts or whatever, who like go back and do marathons of filmmakers and films. I will never watch. I will never do. As much as I say like I love film, mm-hmm. I'm never going to like do a Vincent Minnelli marathon. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have that connection or interest in film in that way. Like these things have to do something for me for me to connect with them. And I think that that's something where like I use Hot Wheels because my life doesn't really have an an equivalent fandom that I can that that, that I feel like I can uh I, I can connect with in the way that I'm trying to mm-hmm. you know make with this nostalgic thing. I grew up a Nintendo kid, but at some point somebody broke into our house and stole our Nintendo system. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have a Nintendo system again. <laughs> and I didn't like cry and I didn't like uh-huh. beg for one at the next Christmas. It was like the Nintendo was gone, you know, and I just kind of moved on. Yeah. Now I'm older. I bought a switch. I bought the Labo. I love Nintendo, but like, I don't have a connection to like the things that I even maybe thought I did. Like I bought a Nintendo mini and was like, oh, punch out. Great. I played it like 20 minutes mm-hmm. and it's great. And I love having it, but you know, again, it's not, it's not something that I like have skin in the game with, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like I wish I did. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I kind of feel like maybe did I miss out? Like, yeah, I don't know. I think that that's very unhealthy. And to have skin in the game with something that you're to be obsessed. Yeah, but but what, what if you have something on the line? Like you like you actually care. You know what I mean? Like, but like as it, a thirty six year old adult, what is something that you can be obsessed with that would that you would have skin in the game with? That's not just raising your kid. 
Like that's what you should be obsessed with. Well, like, anything else is going to be a distraction from from that. That that's the way I'm approaching it. Like yeah. I was obsessed with Destiny and it was not good. As much as I like Destiny, it was not good for my life. I was so obsessed with playing games that I played at nine o'clock on whatever night I started playing Destiny. Played until f- like four o'clock in the morning. I'm 34 years old at this point, right? At four o'clock in the morning, my buddies were done playing. So I started playing inside because it was the night that inside came out. And I played inside until I beat it straight through to completion until like seven o'clock in the morning. And my girls woke up and I made them breakfast and I proceeded to have the worst, most miserable day of my life because I was so exhausted. Right. It's like, that's terrible. Why did I do that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. That is what obsession is to me. And like, it's something that like, I can definitely relate to feeling like, I need to be able to be more focused on the things that I like. But at the same time, I'm like actively working against that because those things have been very bad for me over the past few years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, obsession, I guess that's the thing or, or that's the element that we're, that we're trying to pin down is like when fandom becomes obsession, mm-hmm. you know? And that is, that is always unhealthy. And yeah, I'm trying to make a distinction between nostalgia and present day. But I mean, like, you know, why, why can't I be a fan of something now? Like, like, like that came by when I'm 36 and all of a sudden I encounter it and I become a fan. It's, it's like the best show, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, as as much as you, as, as we've established, like your idea, Identity is not wrapped up in Tom Sharpling's show mm-hmm. or Tom Sharpling himself. If the show were to end, it would negatively impact you in some way. You'd be sad, yeah. right? You know, it, it would it would make things a little worse. Like that's having skin in the game, and and I, I feel like sure, I, I feel like I that is the piece of me that I feel like is missing. Where it's like, what aspect would disappear from my life in terms of an interest? Where I would feel like, oh man, like that sucks. Like everything that I engage in, I feel like I use as a way to like keep me going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's almost like if I were to cease these things, then I would just like my my mind would would not I wouldn't be in a good place. But see, I think you've been brainwashed. Because our entire America America's culture is to consume, is to consume at all costs. That's what all of these things want to do. All of these things want to monopolize your time. They want you to never stop playing, never stop listening, never stop whatever. Don't put me away. That is what our culture and what our... Society. Society and what capitalism is, has done to our country, right? Like To me, that's like undeniable and and that's too is my biggest problem with the marvel stuff the marvel cinematic universe is i'm 
I, I don't have an issue if you like comic books and you want to watch comic book movies. What I have an issue with is I have to read this comic book. I have to follow this Netflix series. I have to follow this Hulu series. Oh, there's also a cable <laughs> show that I have to watch. Right. Oh, there's also a ABC show I have Marvel to watch. Marvel just launched their first podcast. Exactly. Now there's <laughs> podcasts. Oh, there's a movie coming out. And then in six months, there's another movie coming out. And it's like, like what like give me a chance to breathe like like i inherit i dislike it just for that reason just because how much time they want me to put into it it, yeah. it makes me dislike it yeah well i i think that that's that that's also maybe something that we can touch on you know which is that so again like i'm trying to i'm trying to like step through this and like Create a, a clear line of thought. I right? think you need to go through and start cutting out everything. Well, well okay. Here, here's the thing: we agree that you at any age can be a fan of something. That that is totally fine, right? Even things that you don't identify with as being valuable, somebody else can find value in it and be a fan of it in sure. a way that that is healthy. Whether that is Marvel or golf or running or politics right. or whatever it is, then there is fandom, which I think probably in, in the way that we're using it has that negative connotation. And that is when your identity becomes wrapped up in something and it dictates your behavior in a certain way that you feel like you cannot control. Like if Marvel, if Marvel were to say, we are now only showing our films from this one theater in Idaho, you would find yourself like, hey guys, we are planning a trip to Idaho because I have to see this. And there would be people who would be like pissing and moaning, but they'd be buying tickets to Idaho yeah. to, to, to watch that film. That's too extreme like, for me though. Like, to me, the, the line is way before that. Well, no, no, no. What, what, no, I'm trying to make a point of sure. like, of like the, the, the most toxic side of it. Right. Okay. And, and, backing up from there that i think that you know corporations generate fandom you know corporations in a lot of way in a lot of ways i think will overlook the toxic aspects of their fandom if the fans are like driving purchases for whatever that they 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 create mm -hmm. so you know um you know for for example deadpool I mean, that's the prime example to me, Deadpool. What, what like, about Deadpool? Deadpool's like his whole attitude is like uh like anti corporation or his whole his whole attitude is like anti like PC, like making fun of everything. It's like one of the biggest corporate movies of all you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> well, this is a multi million dollar project. Yeah. What what I love about about Deadpool is to me it seems like uh it it's the um uh Crap! It just it just left my head. I had a perfect analogy for it. Um, dang it! I'll come back to it. Okay. Anyway, uh, no, the, the the thing that I was thinking of for uh for for representation, um, is you know a, a corporation, um, deals. It, it's how people deal with uh, fans who come out in mass against like um a a female character mm -hmm. right 
Oh, Star Wars. You just made the main character female to meet some quota, blah, 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 blah. We're going to make a petition. We're mm. going to pass it around. We're all going to go online. We're going to vocalize our our dis, uh, pleasure with all these female characters or whatever. And in response, you know, Disney, who's paying for these Star Wars uh, movies, will say like, we appreciate the passionate fans that we have we believe that we are making the right choices for like where and like that's like the the tone of the response that will be for people who are clearly misogynistic mm. it's like they are not passionate fans you know if somebody's getting furious because you've changed the gender or the race of a character they are not passionate they are toxic you know mm-hmm. and you as the corporation should come out strongly against them and and be willing to say things like the people who have who have stated their displeasure in our decision to make this character whatever decision they've made are not fans of this you know project or or of this thing and and they won't say that because they know that those people are ticket buyers well exactly and so and so into well, what? and they also aren't doing. They're they're making the decision to make the character female. It, that is purely a business decision. No, it, yeah, it, well, exactly. But that is also a hey, we can is, bring in this section of the female population if we make this character female. Right. Everything is a is a business decision. Right. I think I think the one thing that I want to say though with that is everything in our society is a business decision, right? Like every aspect of our life. Is governed by a business decision. By a business decision. I don't necessarily agree with that. Any product that you I don't buy, necessarily is, agree with that. I, I don't see how you couldn't, especially with your with, with what you said about capitalism, which is the, is this the, the podcast backbone. a business decision? A podcast that we have purposefully never attempted to monetize, and that that we would ever get any money from it. And how many people are listening? I have no idea. Well, exactly. It's it's so. No, this isn't a business decision, and it's and it's clearly showing it. It's you know we're we're not like burning up the charts or whatever. Like like we are the product of a non business decision. But the things that somebody would go out there and buy or purchase or give their time to is largely because of a business decision. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. So, but but what I'm saying is, I think that we still have in our way that we engage the thing a chance to redeem it. So. I, I kind of mentioned to you, you know, I wasn't feeling well on Saturday. I had a full day of looking after Indy mm-hmm. and I get really guilty if I know like I just want to sit around today. And, you know, I really wasn't feeling well. I just didn't want him like sitting around with me all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, hey, I'm going to, you know, we have a switch. I'm going to go out there and, and, you know, see if we can afford a Labo. And so we got the variety kit. and. We spent all Saturday, we spent all Sunday. Right now, uh, my wife and Andy are building the piano. Mm-hmm. And it has been great. Like, it has been a great time for Indy and me and the family time. And it's a great kind of product that was a business decision, right? Sure. Like, like N- Nintendo would not have greenlit Labo if the whole selling point was like, Hey, this will lose us money, but it will generate great family time. And I just think that it will be a net positive on the world 
and we need to make it. Yeah, like but they're like, no, how can we make this profitable? Then we'll green light it. Yeah, I don't have a, but I don't have a problem with like selling stuff, right? I don't have a problem with like the idea of somebody making something, mass producing it, and then selling it to people. My problem is with, like I said, with Marvel, where that thing becomes monopoly, when that thing is like demanding a monopoly on your time. It's like, I have no problem believing or understanding that whoever at Nintendo said, hey, I've got this idea for these cardboard whatevers, and let's make it, right? What I don't think is happening over at Marvel is that there's however many hundreds of people who have genuine passion for comic book movies that they just have to get made every two months. You know what I'm saying? That, that is purely a machine that's just grinding things up to make more money. You know what? I, I just remembered what Deadpool was. I, <laughs> I, I remember the analogy. Okay. It's Trump saying he can go shoot somebody in the street right. and people will still like support him. Yeah. Deadpool is basically like, listen, we're going to call our shots and you're going to buy the ticket. Right. Like we're going to mock you and mock yeah. the idea of this exactly. thing. And you guys are going to turn out in mass. And we're going to use this as a way to say like, we're really one of you. Mm-hmm. We're one of you because we, we get it. You know? We're going to laugh all the way to the bank. All the way to the and bank. And we're going to laugh at you while we're going to the bank. Yeah, like, like Deadpool wants to basically say, like, we can laugh at everything and everyone mm-hmm. and still cash this check. Right. And we're going we're gonna to do it. And people are like, yep, yeah, you will. Hey, TJ Miller's in this? No problem. Yeah. Here's my money. I don't care what you guys put on the screen. Mm-hmm. So, no, yeah, like... Th- that is what I'm trying to distinguish, though, and I- I'm glad that you that you offered that distinction because I think what I'm trying to say is like corporations are just like you said pumping out like a machine. Yeah. But the things that give good return, they are very reticent to come out against and critique or you know offer any like clear stance on like, hey, toxic fandom. What you're saying there is wrong. And we are going to draw a line in the sand Mm -hmm. and say, like, if you, you know, if you have a problem with what was a recent controversy out of the million that the people have had about a comic book movie or whatever, it's like, if you're going to come out and say, like, you know, Ray shouldn't be the focal point of this Star Wars story, then we we will not accept your ticket or whatever, right? right? Like you're not a fan. You don't deserve the ticket. Mm-hmm. Like they won't say that because that's taking money out of their pocket. They'll just say like the passionate fans have let their right. voices be heard. And, and that I think is like coddling. And that is showing like, well, I'm talking about the, the, the corporate aspect of like generating this fandom, mm-hmm. this negative identity or wrapped up in whatever. It's like it's like passion is never going to assert itself in a blog post that says, you know, feminism is taking over these right. comic book movies and ruining them. Or or it's not going to say get the get your politics out of my movies. Yeah, like th- no no fan of something would say that they would 
judge whatever it is on the merits of what it was and then comment on that. They wouldn't necessarily be like, there's too much politics now on this stuff. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like I liked it better when uh, when Han was just shooting first in the right. cantina. Uh, you know, it's just it, it, I I just that that I think is is the distinction for me. Yeah, yeah, and I think Nintendo is a bit of an exception just because they don't just pump stuff out right. Like they could have a new standalone Mario game every single year and would make a ton of money every single year, but they don't do that. I mean, there are like, you know, the like sort of side games that they do, the mm-hmm. sort of lesser titles, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Same thing like any of their major titles. And it's kind of the same thing with Tom Sharpling. Like if he's going to do something that I know he's that he's going it. to do it because he wants to do it, not because he's trying to capitalize on whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's probably one of the bigger influences on me on what I'm going to spend my time with. And going back to that, I was listening to... There was a... New York Times video that came out this week or last week with Malcolm Gladwell, who not a huge <laughs> fan of. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it was like why Malcolm Gladwell challenged LeBron James to a foot race or something like that. So it was like, oh, it was on the NBA subreddit. That's why I watched it. And I started watching it. And first of all, it opens up. If you can get through the first five seconds of it, you'll be able to get through the video because it opens up. It's the most pretentious, worst. The guy, the host opens up and it's like, you know, these two guys in a room and they're talking exactly how you expect them to talk. And he's like, he's like, you recently made one of the bravest declarations I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he's like, a guy oh saying this my, to Malcolm yeah. Gladwell? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And then Malcolm Gladwell's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the guy's like, you challenged LeBron James to a foot race. And I was like, oh, my. But anyways, I watched the whole thing. And it got to a point where he was, he was saying something, which is, you know, not revolutionary at all. Something that you've probably heard a million different people say a million different times. But he was like, we don't have time to daydream anymore. We don't have time to ourselves anymore. Right. That's been something that he's, yeah, been right. on about. Yeah. So I decided to sort of take that to heart. Well, actually, I didn't. I mean, it's something <laughs> that, I, that I've thought about for a long time because, yeah, a lot of my time is at any given second, I'm thinking about or making a decision about what I'm going to be consuming next, whether it's a TV show, a podcast, a video game, what am I going to do next that's going to serve as even a slight distraction from what I'm actually doing, right? Driving to work, riding my bike to work, walking the dog, doing the dishes, doing work at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I decided to... Um, you know, slim down the podcasts on my list. Um, I'm trying to listen to more books. I'm trying to read more books. I'm just, and, but then I'm also like making sure that like in the morning when I go exercise with the dog, I'm no longer listening to anything, right? I'm just running without listening to anything like a psycho, right? 
Yeah. Which is a weird experience. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I'm trying to give myself space. Space. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. And I think a lot of that feeds into this idea that like I, I'm just not satisfied with anything. And there's so it's like an infinite amount of hashtag Stuff. content yeah. that you can listen to, that you can, you know, absorb. Yeah. Well, I, I think the one thing that I'll say is I, um, you know, I found myself recently like looking, trying to find evidences of like healthy fandom mm-hmm. of people that are going beyond just like, I like this thing to people who are like, I have part of my identity wrapped up in this thing. Like, this is who I am. So I think it started with, like, watching speed runs. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, I play Cuphead or whatever. And then you just hear, like, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this. Like, this guy beat all the bosses without getting hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, I want to see that. Like, I want to see somebody who, you know, not just to see it be done, but then, like, to think about all the dedication and work it took for this person to get this good. Mm-hmm. And and to in some ways like you know, like be awed by that, just like you would with like a professional athlete, you know, um, like I, I like professional sports too. I like NBA, you know, NFL. Mm-hmm. I like baseball. Um, but then it started like moving into you know a little bit of like streamers watching people like stream PUBG, um. And then, like, weirdly, like, certain things of, like, reaction videos mm-hmm. where I'll just, like, find myself, like, wanting to see people, like, react to the news of something, mm-hmm. you know? And just be like, oh, my God. And knowing that, like, they know the camera's on them. But I just want to see somebody, like, react, like, in a in a hyper-positive way about something. Sure. Like, maybe stupid. Yeah. And, and in some ways, I, I found that, like, comforting. And part of it, I think, is the fact, like, I don't have that, you know? I don't, like, I don't, things don't get released, and I can't contain myself, and I yell. But, I mean, you just said it yourself. That stuff is not real. Well, yeah, I mean, some of it's not real. Nobody does that. I I think, I think that there are some, some people who, like, like, on the genuine stuff. So, okay, for, for example, this started with, um, the, the. Red wedding, the red wedding, you know, videos of like people who didn't know that they were being filmed and they were reacting to like the red wedding. Right. That there is a level of reaction that's genuine that when you see, you're like, oh my, like it's still attainable in this messed up world. Somebody can still watch a bunch of characters be killed on a TV show and be like, my mind is absolutely blown. I remember reading it in the book and being like, that's crazy. Yeah. But I don't know that I ever like have achieved the level of Nirvana that like some people. That's it though. I mean, that's it. I remember reading that chapter in the book and my heart dropping and like being in a funk for like a couple days, maybe just being like, like legitimately upset. But like when I read it, I was just like, oh my God, what? You know what I mean? That stuff is not real. 
And the and and the red wet like yes, some people do react, but I think to you and some of this is uh is nebulous. But like you said, those are genuine reactions from people who do not know that they're being filmed. You cannot have a genuine reaction being filmed. Being filmed. Yeah. You cannot do no, it. No, no, I it's I, I literally impossible. No, I completely agree. And I'm saying this not as like I'm healthy. I'm saying this as like a a a an example of how like I'm broken in that yeah. way. Like I, I do feel like there is an element where I will intake a lot of stuff, you know, but my my intake isn't sometimes I don't think like it's being fueled by its own interest. It's kind of like a fire that's like, listen, man, I'll go out. Like if you want me to, mm-hmm. like we don't have to do this. But I'm like, no, like let's, let's keep doing this because I feel like too, that, that also goes for like things that I would hope to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like writing. Like, I wish I was a better writer. I'm not a good writer, mm-hmm. but like I would, I would still like like to sit down and write, and there are things that like I will intake books so I can try and write more, or I'll dedicate time to like write more, mm-hmm. you know. But even that are like not passions that like keep me sustained. Like that will just like peter off and and peter out, you know. Yeah, there are so many started and stopped projects, and then you hear about these people who are like, I hate writing, but I have to write. You know, sure. like I was reading a journal, somebody posted of Kafka and Kafka is like, you know, day after day, like can't get it out. Can't, mm-hmm. you know, sat down again, just can't do it. You know, the, the muse has left me or whatever else, but like he was driven to like sustain that. Yeah. But Kafka also did not have an Xbox. So. No, no, but 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 that but that's his level of drive of of dedication to it, right? Like like he was a fan of writing so much, yeah. that he like pursued that through all of that stuff. Like I don't think that again, I think for me if you one thing that maybe I guess I'm afraid of, if you remove everything from me, then I'm just not going to be motivated to literally do anything. Like, it, like it, it's not like I have an overwhelming desire to, you know, do anything. And, and, it, and it's almost like I wish that I had, like, the torment to write, you know, like some great author or whatever. Like, that, that to me is, like, a different type of fandom of, like, my identity is wrapped up in this activity mm-hmm. and I can't not do it. It's like, meh, I think I could not do maybe anything. Sure, and that's not he- in a not healthy way. Yeah, like, no. like, like it's not about like being so distracted that I'm like unhealthy. I don't know if you can not do anything for an extended period of time and have it be healthy. <laughs> I think that's pretty no, inherently that's unhealthy. Yeah. It's unhealthy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so it's like it's like I feel like I do the things that I do because I know the the reality of the other side. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, but I think you just probably gonna have to make a decision here. You're you're either going to have to be happy with just doing the stuff you like to do. Oh no, I think I am. Like okay. like that, that's why I think I'm I'm. I think that's why I do what I do. 
Okay. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like, I guess what I'm saying is what I do is I seek something worthy of my obsession. You know, something worthy of my fandom, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And not worthy because, yeah, anything's worthy. Like collecting rocks can be worthy, you know? It's like I don't want to collect rocks. Sure. It's like, you know what I mean? Like I've read the Marvel stuff. Yeah, it's okay. I've watched all the movies. I I I am uh I am amazed at the cinematic feat that Marvel's pulling off. But I'm not But what is that what is the cinematic feat? That that's another thing I don't understand. The cinematic universe is not a universe. It just is them throwing everything at the wall that they have. Like what is the connective tissue? Like they don't have they don't like Thor Ragnarok or whatever is like a like a like a eighties buddy movie, right? And then the other th- movie is like this dour, like grayed out. You know what I mean? Like for 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 me, the they, the the universe is that they're all from this one mega corporation that's making <laughs> billions of dollars off. Of I can't I can't speak to it because again, you you haven't seen it, and I know that your interest level isn't there. But I think that there is something of like like whether you whether you view it as like the bubonic plague at some point you look at the bubonic plague and you're like, man, that virus is really doing something mm-hmm. like, wow, go, sure. go for it. Bubonic plague. Like, uh, so, you know what I mean? Like, again, it's, it's doing almost, you could argue the maximum of what it could do. And whether you view that as like a net positive or whether you view that like you do as just a naked capitalist cash grab, that is fleecing people of their time and money for inferior products. Well, I mean, not, that's not how I view it. That's how I view it for myself. Like, yes. If you enjoy it, go for yeah, it. I'm that's just your thing. But yeah. that's, I can't do it. I yeah, can't I, I'm articulating, that. I think, your, your perspective. Uh, you know, then, then either, either way, I think that there's something uh, just... I'm, I'm trying to find the right word because I don't want to... Uh, hyperbolize here. It's 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 just impressive. Mm-hmm. That's what I will say. Is it impressive though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just agree to disagree that okay. <laughs> uh, that that I think it's it's impressive in okay. some ways, negative or positive. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know if uh, this rambling conversation uh, made sense. Uh, did it make sense I to you? I have no idea. Yeah, sure.